Hello everybody, welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. And today we're going to be discussing The Incredibles 2, which you've just come from. Yes. Well, you've just come from bloody Italy and Slovenia and all over the shop. I have. Where have you been all week? I've been seeing movies and castles and... Oh, what'd you see? And we saw um, this Hungarian film about two people who meet in their dreams as deer. Mm. And we saw this in the middle of uh, uh, Ljubljana's castle at the top, which was just, like, wonderful. I love those open-air screenings. Do you remember what it was called, Phil? Um, I'm afraid I don't, actually. Okay. Um, but it's one of the art house films that have had a success everywhere this year. Uh, I don't think it's come to Birmingham, though. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a film about a girl who's, who's got... Um, she's a little bit like uh, the woman in the bridge. What's the, what's the word when you're fixated on one thing? Obsessive. Well, she's not only obsessive, but she's got problems processing emotions. Autistic. Yeah, she's a, she's a little bit on the scale. Yeah. Uh, and basically, you know, she falls in love with this guy who works at a, at a meat processing plant. Uh, As you do. So the film begins with this great amount of, not violence to animals, I suppose, but, you know, uh, showing what happens in, in an abattoir. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it's kind of quite brutal that way. And then the whole thing is about... You know, uh, these people who, uh, you know, through the puzzlement of everyone, uh, are, are you know, meet in their dreams, and they meet in their dreams as deer. They have the, exactly the same dreams, right? Hmm. So the film is about beginning to recognize that aspect of it, and in doing so, kind of recognize themselves and what they want and so on. It's, I liked it very much. Sounds like your sort of thing. <laughs> well, your sort of thing is clearly the Incredibles. <laughs> we both had a good time. It's been 14 years since the last Incredible. Has it? It's one of these that people kind of thought for a while, is it going to have a sequel, is it not going to have a sequel, what's going to happen? Same with Monsters uh, Inc. When Monster University eventually came out, it was quite a while oh. since Monsters Inc. Um, and Monster University was good. I mean, I like that film. I think it got a little bit of a tough reception, but I thought it was decent. This film is like 90% brilliant good fun. Yes. And 10% incredibly boring. <laughs> yes. Um, I, th- I kind of, I didn't find it boring. Um, but I must say, until the baby arrived, I thought, oh, this is going to be quite an exceptional, you know. Mm. Um, so as soon as the baby arrived into the picture, it kind of lifted everything. Those, all the gags with the baby, I thought, were just absolutely fantastic. The baby is the absolute highlight. Yeah. That's for sure. So, th- so... Um, the basic idea of The Incredibles 2 is, if you're not familiar with The Incredibles at all, the 2004 original Incredibles was a, was a Pixar movie about uh, a couple who are superheroes, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, and uh, and they're sort of superhero friends and they've got a family as well. The kids mm. have got superpowers. Um, and superheroes are uh, not liked by society, they cause too much damage, but you know they kind of... When a, when a, uh, a supervillain comes along, they have to team up and fight it mm. and win and sort of win the, the country's hearts back and also become a family and all that sort of stuff. This film weirdly starts off in basically the same place that the last film started off, which is superheroes are illegal, mm. no one likes them, and they cause too much damage. And and again, it's the same thing. They, they have to win their place back in society sort of thing. It's kind of weird that it starts off in the same place. Yes. Um, I didn't. I didn't mind that, and I thought there were aspects of that that I found quite interesting. So, for example, I found it interesting that when um, 
the family becomes unemployed where they shut their unit down, they go live in a motel. Mm. And, you know, so kind of there are all of these films, uh, like the Florida Project and so on, that kind of in which motel living has become a kind of a symbol for contemporary America in some way. So I thought it was interesting that the film kind of touched on that, really. Uh, and the film is also interesting in the way that it's kind of it's working through debates about gender and the family and men's role and women's role. And, you know, it, I don't think it does anything particularly interesting. It's not, it's, it's not exactly revolutionary about it, but it has a just kind of overall progressive bent to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, which is um, kind of nice to see. It is nice to see. Um, so, but really, the, there were three things that I thought to me were just like exceptional that kind of, you know, put the film onto a different uh, level. First was the baby and all the gags with the baby. They were brilliant. You know, I just love that. Uh, the second thing was the interval, the tiny brief interval with Edna Mode, who was my favorite character of the first film. You know, she appears very briefly and really to design a costume for the baby and then, you know, becomes like... Yeah, she's a kind of uh, uh, superhero fashionista that yeah. designs all their costumes. That's right. And gives them all... She's like M, or not M, Q, rather. Yeah. Gives them all the gadgets and stuff as well. But she's a very camp yes, Q. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, and it's just brilliant. Uh, and it's brilliant once again, and, and sadly too brief, you know, though that was a little uh, jewel of a moment, really. And the other thing that seemed really exceptional to me was the way that the villainous was visualized. I just love the look of that. As of in the way character. she was dressed, the way she no, well, the way that she the way just the way that she looked with those cheekbones and the big eyes and you yeah. know, and also the kind of she looks like a kind of a disaffected punk teenager. So, yeah, she's got a kind of a look of ennui about yeah, her. Yeah, the way she kind of hangs off chairs and, yeah. and that sort of thing. You notice I, it. Yeah, I loved all of that about that character, actually. I thought that was mashing. I, I really picked up on the, the, the animation, basically. I mean, mm. it's something that we never really talk about with Pixar because they've become... They, they are so established as the best at making animated movies. But I think it actually doesn't get enough attention. Mm. The, the animation and, 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 the, and the, the visual design and the rendering of the films, like literally technically, mm. it's fucking amazing. And there's, there is, there is, there's facial and kind of bodily animation in this film, which if, if it was live action, you'd say it was being kind of overdone. Mm. But it makes sense in a cartoony context and it, and it expresses people's emotions very, very vividly. Uh, I can't think of kind of like good examples of it, but you just notice it all over, like people respond. Well, uh, to each other in, in very emotive ways. Yeah, the, you loved all the animation of the motorcycle ride. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, and, and, and also it's kind of full of ideas as well. So the motorcycle chase, um, the, the, the motorcycle that Elastigirl gets splits in two, the front half and the back half, and then she keeps the two connected uh, using her body to, yes. to, as a sort of springy you know, sort of thing. Um, and, and she comes up with... she. It gives her lots of things to do with, you know, kind of swinging around and using momentum to get herself into various places. It's brilliant. It's really mm. full of ideas. The action sequences are just brilliant, I think, all mm. throughout. I don't think there's a single one that, 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 that is a bum note. Maybe there's a couple of fights which are just a bit punchy-punchy, but even then they're still full of ideas with people using their powers in creative ways. Yes. Um, what are your problems with it? What do you think? Didn't... What I felt was... Um, <laughs> so the, 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 the premise of this film is that uh, superheroes are uh, not liked by society and they're illegal and they cause too much damage and they make more problems than they solve 
and there's this one sort of rich guy uh, who loves superheroes and has ever since he was a kid and he wants to help get superheroes back on the map and and get them legal again so he kind of says you know we, let's work on a plan to to get you get you back on Cybase and that's the guy whose sister you mentioned earlier is the, mm. the girl you you like the the, the look of mm. um now that the sister is great she's mm. kind of interesting um but the guy is just a total non-entity he's a drip and not only that but he when he's introducing himself and his kind of plan and his background it's it's a good 5 minutes of just talking with nothing interesting happening certainly not visually mm. and it's just talk 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 and it's dead and it's just information coming out it's not it's not exactly i mean it's not exactly exposition but it is exposition like yeah. it's trying to do a little bit of other stuff but it is basically this is just exposition getting the the, the background out there and it's for for people who are such economical interesting creative filmmakers as Pixar it's that that is really disappointing it, he's a problematic character i think because you know on the one hand he's kind of meant to be a good guy right like you know so I, there's this opposition between him and his sister really that the film plays off of so you know they're kind of meant to be equal opposites in a way you know but um the film is very critical of what he represents in a way you know he's just he's like this high-flying capitalist you know who likes to have everybody on side and you know kind of make, make everybody good but towards his own ends and his own ends are all about making money and commercializing things right the yeah, whole thing the, the is sister the, makes the point that he's a salesman and she's the creative the creative person right so so and there is kind of like an implied criticism throughout but it's never pushed i mean ultimately he's meant to be like a good guy right yeah yeah so you know i thought that was like fudging the character really i thought the background that they gave to the for the motivation to both of the characters you know the parents got killed you know once you know blames the belief in superheroes the other one blames the fact that superheroes were not available to rescue the parents i thought that was all kind of a bit by numbers really and dull yeah that's that's how i would put it um, it's sort of not not creative enough really yes i also had a problem with what's his name mr freeze Mr. Cool, Mr. Mr. Freeze. Cool. Yes, Mr. no, Freeze yeah, well. exactly. Get Samuel L. Jackson in, and yeah. the black guy has to be Mr. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like that. I also thought that it was one of those insertions uh, into a film just to have racial representation, but that, you know, it's not rendered in an interesting way. And he's almost like, I mean, he's given things to do, you know, babysit the kids or come in for the kids or. Yeah, he's you a know. friend to the family. Yeah, but it it actually is one of those things that I think is meant is meant to compensate for racial representation. So it it, it comes from a good place. It's to add on something, mm. but that actually fundamentally reveals the problem with racial representation in American cinema that it is just an add on. You know, it is a subsidiary add on character. So mm. you know, and I think, I, think I mean, of course, he was in the first one. I don't I don't know if you. I'm forgetting that he was in the first film, so there's an element of just he's there because he was there before. Yeah, but in that case, you know, they could have. Oh, I agree. You know, there is a moment in things with there him. is a moment in this film with him very early on where uh, they it's the very opening fight of the film with the 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 underminer, mm. <laughs> um, where they they fight the underminer and then they all run off because they're not supposed to be fighting crime; it's illegal. Um, and the the Incredibles family. Uh, get taken in 
and question and talk to by the police, the FBI or whoever. Uh, whereas Mr. Freeze runs off. And when, they, when he meets up with them again later at the motel, he says, I knew that they wouldn't do anything to you. Like, what, well, but I had to go. And there's, it was really subtle, but there's, there is a moment in there of just like, what the fuck could happen to me? Yes. <laughs> the police have got hold of me. Well, that's true. I mean, there is that element. It's one moment, though. Yeah. And, yeah, and they try to do other things. So, you know, when he leaves the house and the wife is like, where are you going? And that kind of, you know, way yeah. of speaking. Well, again, that's from the first film. That's, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I kind of... That's more callback humour, really. Yeah. I kind of... I wasn't too... Um, no, he's it, not... It felt very cliched, really. So, um, but anyway, that's really kind of, um, you know, picking at flaws, right? Because the film is hugely entertaining. It's very, very well done. Uh, I'm not all, at all surprised that it's become such a huge hit. I, um... Uh, the, so there's a central kind of thing in the film where the, the there's a tension between Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, who are the married couple, who uh, Mr. Incredible wants to be a superhero, and he loves that life. And this was, again, from the first film. This was basically the same theme that's coming back. You know, he loves that life, and he wants to be a superhero. And Elastigirl is much more realistic and says, this is the law, and we have to obey the law, and we've got families to take care of, and such and such. And then they get split up where Elastigirl is chosen by the businessman to be the, the, the face of new superheroes because she's responsible and she doesn't cause all the damage that yes. Mr. Incredible does. They've done a study on them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah cost-benefit analysis. Yes. Um, that he causes more damage than, than, than he, she does. Well, than he solves. Um, so so he, she goes off to, to pursue this sort of being the, being the face of superheroes and he is stuck at home looking after the family. He's not really allowed to, you know, and, it, and it's done in this way of saying, you know, I'm doing this for the family, so we'll eventually all be able to be superheroes again. But of course, he's stuck in this position yes. where he is jealous of his wife. Yes. And it's really interesting. And, and he, it's really interesting kind of really. It's like what we're saying about there being a kind of progressive bent to the film. This is, what we're, this is, this is where it comes in heavily, um, talking about sort of, it's not really. It's not really about roles in the family, but it's about uh, sort of positions. It's like a hierarchy in the family. He basically feels he should be the head of the family, yes. and that's represented by being the king superhero. Yes, and he's not allowed to be. And also, it's and then he takes on the womanly role essentially of looking yes. after the family, doing the homework with the kids, that sort of stuff. Child yes, care. which he claims to understand and value, but then you know realizes the extent of, you know, what's involved only through experiencing it. Which is all very nice, but it's also all very clean. It's all sure, but I think it's well done. It's very well done. Uh, I'm not saying every moment has to be original. I think it can be, it can be observations just really well sort of put together. And so I, I, I really loved everything that was him with the family, trying yes. to look after them and not being able really to cope and, you know, getting stubble and not being able to sleep because yeah. it's not done in a way of going like I didn't realise how hard my wife's life was yeah. it's not doing that it's just saying holy fucking shit I'm having an awful time yes. doing something that I'm not used to and and then it's like it's not only is this life incredibly hard looking after three kids and trying to keep their lives together but also he's dealing with this jealousy yes there's this kind of really complex aspect to it I really enjoyed whereas Whereas the side of that that you see of Elastigirl, where she's working with the business guy to to promote good superherodom, is not that interesting. Mm. Um, the, the 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 action sequences she gets into are really good, but the conversations that surround her side of the story are not that interesting. No, she has a couple of conversations with the sister that are this kind of 
there are these weird kind of like sisterly talks mm. of like you know what our places are and and who we should be and and our places in relation to the men in our lives they have that aspect to them but it's not it's, it's almost like those scenes are deliberately there to uh to beat the Bechdel test yeah you know but they just don't really do anything for it well i also felt a slight twinge when um you know the the villain of the film is revealed to be the woman you know i also what was the twinge for you well, because you know, to me that the 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 and I forget her name now, but the sister was such an interesting character and so beautifully visualized, and really just so interesting, right? Like kind of you know this this genius who can invent all of these things and who's kind of slightly sour and disaffected with life, and mm. you know who's trying to find a, a, you know a role for herself vis-a-vis her brother, yeah, who's the public face of the company and so on. You know, and so to make such an interesting character then become the villain, it's almost like. But were you surprised when she was the villain? I thought I, it was no, I wasn't. From the start. I, I wasn't surprised, but but I think I think they could have done so, something so much more interesting had that actually character been the same way. You know, charismatic, uh, intelligent, interesting, beautiful, but disaffected. And then given the villainy to somebody else, like mm. it's almost as if you have to be a genius woman. You you can only be it if you're the villain, right? Like yeah, I see what you mean. Um, I didn't have a problem with that really. It made sense that that she was smart enough to have that plan and 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 uh, as you say, sort of disaffected and and uh, had enough trauma in her life that she would want to carry it out. Now, the character made sense. It's just but, you know, yeah. kind of it's just an observation. No, I know what, what you, you know. Mean. Uh, uh, like I mean, it, I thought it was more interesting the fact that she and her brother weren't in it together. Weirdly, I kind of expected them to be, he, especially because he was such a tool. Because he was so just nice and happy to be around all these superheroes, he thought this guy's up to something. Yes. And the fact that he turns out to genuinely be that guy, yes, it's pretty lame. <laughs> I wanted more from him. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the, you know those are things that the film hasn't worked out. I was very disappointed in Elastigirl because. You know, I think Holly Hunter is so great, and there's just something about her voice, you know, that I just adore. Like, there's a huskiness in the way she pronounces. You know, anyway, I just love her. And actually, it's a weird thing that she is the protagonist, and she is given all of this stuff to do, and she's got all these action scenes, and yet the characters are it's a bit dull. Of nothing. Yeah, because she, what well, her character essentially is not the one going through any real. Troubles or changes. That's right. You know, like she, her, her thing is basically, I want to play by the rules, but I'm offered the chance to 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 break the law for the purpose of getting making superheroes accepted again and become this kind of star. But it's not something that really plays with it. It's not something she doesn't get obsessed by the star or anything like that. I think she that's... just handles it really well. And it's it, whereas you know, like I say, Mister Incredible doesn't handle his side of it well at all, and that's what's really interesting. I think that's a very interesting observation, really, because. You know, you in some ways you think that the hero of the film is Elastigirl, but really it's Mr. Invincible or Mr. Mr. Incredible. Incredible. You know, because he is For the coping. one. Sorry. For coping, you mean? Well, he's the one who goes through all the changes, whose, yeah. whose character changes completely. You know, uh, from the beginning to the end. So, you know, the film is really well. It's about the family, but actually, it is about him, even though, you know, it's it's it's. Miss Incredible or Mrs. Incredible. 
Elastigirl. Elastigirl, who kind of, you know, gets all the action. It's a very interesting. I have to think about yeah. that some more. Well, it, it, it is a, uh, I mean, I would say it's an ensemble thing, really. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have put it down as this is the centre of the film or that's the centre of the film exactly in terms of characters. I would, you know, I, I think it is an ensemble thing. It's about how they kind of learn their various lessons, come back together. But it is, I think, undeniable that Mr. Incredible's side of it happens to be more interesting than yeah, Elastigirl's. Yeah, it's about the it family. It could have been made more interesting, Elastigirl's. Yes. I As I say, if she hadn't coped with it, if she got a bit big-headed and that sort of thing, mm. which which might have been cliche. I'm not saying like I, I've got the perfect answer. It, you know, like you, that's the kind of I guess the wrinkle you would expect there to be. Nonetheless, it would have made it more interesting than the fact that she was just on the job and and getting everything right. Yes. You know. Um, anyway, it's about the family. Each one is given their bit. The bit that I found the most annoying was the teenage girl on a date bit. <laughs> uh, you know, I thought that was really cliched. Um, but you know every other character and, and actually all of it and if you think about it was cliched so you know the teenage girl is living through all these teenage problems about going on a date and the ramifications of all of that you know the young boy is like madly obsessed with a car and he, you know he finds the remote control for the you know his father's car that's been impounded and sold off and you know so mm. I think yeah the, well, I, I remember. I mean, it, that, that's, that's very true. stereotypical. It's true. Yeah. But I, I, I remember um, a, a, a Trey Parker from South Park was talking a while ago about um, about the way he structures his plots when he writes South Park, and and he was talking about Pixar and essentially saying like Pixar, you know, from the first five minutes of a Pixar film, exactly what's going to happen. You know who's going to do this and who's going to do that and who's going to go good and who's going to go bad and how the relationship's going to go. You know everything, but the ride. On the way there is fantastically enjoyable. Well, I think that's true of this one. I think that, I, that's certainly true of this one. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, there, there's so much creativity within the scenes. I'd love to see all the gags with the baby again. Yeah, you, you just know. want like a supercut of the baby stuff, yeah. especially where Edna falls in love with the baby. I love. That's that. a whole beautiful section, yeah. and 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 it's also really great filmmaking, like the way that the camera is used. Yeah. These these shots uh, uh, when the baby is kind of discovering his superpowers. In the back garden, fighting the raccoon. Oh, that was great! And um, and he's sort of <laughs> the raccoon is having a really weird time with him, and uh, and he's sort of shooting lasers, and then he's going invisible, and then he's doing this, doing that, and uh, the raccoon. There's a load of deck chairs in between them, like recliners, and the raccoon's hiding behind one at the very end, and you see it from his sort of point of view or his perspective, all the way to the other end of them, and the baby's there, tiny just on his own in the frame teeny tiny and then just ignites yes that was wonderful beautiful <laughs> and it's and, and it's the it's the composition and the timing and the animation are, it's it's really 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 well directed comedy yes I mean for me also it's it's very well directed comedy but it's also given a kind of um, there's a poetry about it really you know so for example when when the baby's taken to Edna Mode for a suit and also yeah to, for babysitting and you can see how they bond and one of the ways that they bond is visualized for you because the baby develops this haircut and yeah. gestures and you know begins to repeat the actions of Edna, of Edna mode. mode right and I, so actually the whole thing is visual but you just see like there's a connection between these two now right like you know and, yeah. and it's kind of rendered in that way which I thought was, was beautiful actually and it's kind of it's, it's kind of what I was saying about the animation being being very expressive but also sort of overdone it's like it, there's this contradictory aspect where it's subtle but also very very clear mm. and it, it's kind of beautiful 
Mm. It's really, really, really well directed. Apart from those lulls, there are a few. Um, it's a really brilliantly directed film with yes. load of charm. And for me, I didn't know that Brad Bird played Edna Mode. Played Edna Mode. Yeah, I told you. Which actually adds an extra special twist to it that I kind of I appreciate it even more. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, a, in a queer way, you mean. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, so shall we wrap it up here? Is he gay, I wonder, Brad Bird? I have no idea. But, you know, looking at the film now, you think he must be. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he made the first one as well. They were, uh, it's, it's his, which was very campy, so... No, no, he's, he's uh, married to a lady. Oh, well. As far as we know. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really good director. He, he directed um, Ghost Protocol as well, the Mission Impossible one. Yes. Well, which, I mean, the, la- the latter Mission Impossible has been fantastic. Yeah. Whether he's married or not, I think him voicing that particular character yeah. in that particular way queers it up you know yeah yeah I think that's true so. yeah no I was, I was saying I was I was I was not I, was, I wasn't I didn't mean to go on like a gay witch hunt <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway let's wrap it up here uh, so highly recommended it's kind of it's a it's a brilliant uh, Pixar film I think brilliant fun alright thank, thank you very much for listening we're on SoundCloud Twitter Facebook uh, and we welcome uh, your comments and your feedback certainly Cheerio. Bye-bye. <laughs>